Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. I'm Amy Frost. Today I talked to Gemma Stokes from Penbode Vets. And we're talking about worming. We often focus on worm egg counts and a worming program. But what do you do if you actually spot a worm? Gemma's going to explain all on the Horse Hour podcast. Gemma's going to explain everything. This is Horse Hour. We're doing one of my favourite episodes today. It's where we get to learn about the veterinary side of horses. And we're joined by the lovely Gemma Stokes from Penbode Vets, based down on the Devon Cornwall border. How are you, Gemma? Very well, thank you. Nice to be here. I'm thrilled to have you. This is the first time you've joined us on the podcast. And we're going to be talking about worming. Something that just makes me cringe. But something I've learned recently, actually, is way more serious than I think we've ever taken it for before. So when you first, well, I I know, let's go back to when you were learning to be a vet and you had to deal with worms. Did you not freak out? Because I think I would have done. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, although in some ways I found worms quite interesting for how their life cycles are and, um, and how actually... In some ways, they can benefit our horses. Um, there is this uh, relationship between them, but we don't want that to become too much in the worm's favour and anti for our horses. Interesting. So, how so can interesting. it is? How can they help the horse then? Well, they are part of the digestive process um, in some ways, and actually, to have a low worm burden can help the horses and also help the land um, and the general environment that the horse is in but it has to be at a low level so uh, and also in my career I qualified 15 years ago we've um, it's been over that time where we've gone away from regular worming you know every six to eight to twelve weeks to now doing the fecal egg counts and monitoring that way and targeting the worming because the development of resistance and these superworms that um, don't die when we treat them with um, the anthelmintics, the wormers that we have. And this is the problem that I had this year, actually. We've done a podcast before on worm fecal counts and when you should mm-hmm. worm count and why you should worm count. And it's all been about prevention. Um, and I'm paranoid about worms. So I'll worm religiously, I'll do the egg counts. Mm-hmm. And then in January, I found pinworm. 
and my goodness, I wanted to cry. I felt like the worst, the worst horse owner. Um, I felt the, like the worst livery yard owner because I, as far as I'm concerned, I've done everything properly. So why have I suddenly got pinworm when I, I shouldn't yeah. have, you know? And so can you explain where yeah. can things like pinworm come from? Yeah, so that's really interesting to, to bring up about pinworms is um, because pinworms were basically pretty much, you know, something that we didn't used to talk about 15, 20 years ago because the wormers killed most of them off and didn't cause an issue. With the modern day wormers, um, these get these work a lot better for treating the red worms um, that actually cause more issues and uh, you know potentially life threatening issues to some horses and ponies, whereas the pinworms don't generally. The, the pinworms live um, around the anus of the horse and on their bottom, mm. and they actually poke their tails out and lay eggs um, around your horse's back end, um, and so. It it can be called anal rust because the eggs are often orange and um, as they're laid around. But because the pinworm has chosen to live at the end of the digestive tract, right where the poo comes out, and the modern day wormers get absorbed earlier on in the gut, in the small intestine generally, to kill off the worms there. And actually the wormer doesn't get to that part of the digestive tract. So they haven't been being killed off by our wormers that we've been using. Whereas years ago, we used to use potentially cheaper brands of wormers or ones that weren't quite as effective, that quite a lot of the junk might have got pooed out. But actually, that was at concentrations enough to kill off the pinworms that were there sitting in the rectum. So because we're using um, more of the moxidectins and the ivermectins, the pinworms have been able to develop and thrive. And so we do see more problems with pinworms. And they are probably the most likely worm that you would find in the droppings of horses. So they've got a very pointy end. They look a bit like um, bean sprouts, really. Yeah, yeah, very much like a bean sprout, really. They find in that is by, well, actually breaking the cycle um, of the egg laying. So you could just use, um, just by wiping them away so the eggs are gone um, and cleaning around underneath your horse's um, dock and around the, the tail and around um, their back end, um, just with warm water often kills them, but also using a wormer, um, an ivermectin-based one, um, actually up their bottom or wiping it around mm. as well. And that's the way to kill off those worms. Those pinworms don't necessarily cause a major problem Mm. they just cause an itchy bottom really they often make the horses feel really itchy from the way they um where they lay their eggs yeah so so some of the signs then to know before because okay this is what happened i'm I'm clearing the droppings from the field i'm poo picking the field and Mm -hmm. suddenly i see all these light um white they look like maggots to me but much thinner you know tiny tiny little Mm -hmm. worms and it, it it made me feel sick and i felt so awful Gemma. I felt the shame mm-hmm. of, you know, the fact that I'd found worms. And, I, and, and that's, I think, why I wanted mm-hmm. to talk about it today, because I still, it still makes me feel uncomfortable even saying that, you know, we had pinworm. But from what I heard, um, and you can correct me on this, is that we're also getting more pinworm because there's a bit of a resistance to some of our wormers. 
Is that true? The pinworm is probably one of the least likely worms to be resistant to the wormers. They are pretty easy to kill, but that we're just not in, get, not getting concentrations of um, the drugs to where they are and where they live. They've come up with this home that is quite isolated from our modern day wormers. So mm. in some ways they're quite clever. So then they've developed. But most... There is resistance and all worms do develop resistance. So we have to be careful. Um, and actually, they're quite a difficult worm to like um, pick up the eggs on a fecal egg count because they lay the eggs around the anus. They don't lay them into the droppings, which is where we look mm. for. So um, it, as I say, it's breaking that cycle and breaking um, and also using the wormers directly onto them, really, to, mm. to get that there. And that should kill them. Um, and most of the time, as I say, they just cause an itchiness. So it could be another um, uh, differential for um, a horse that looks like it's got sweet itch or something like that for rubbing its tail or suddenly has become um, itchy around its back end. It's interesting that you say, like for you, it was in January. Um, so it would quite likely to have been the pinworms that you see for a worm that survives most of the year round, whereas other worms don't like the cold weather so much although our seasons aren't what they used to be no I know um, it's been quite mild at the moment hasn't it yeah yeah <laughs> definitely and so that's affected our worm population yeah definitely. Mm. so okay if it makes you feel any better and you, you know you're listening to this thinking I might have worms don't feel bad because I poo pick the fields every day um and an interesting thing that I learned was that um the the where you keep the droppings obviously we know it needs to be away from water but it, it doesn't mm-hmm. it need to be uh, in a ditch or um, not on not on the top section of the field because then the worms can migrate down the field. So it's always better being in a in a lower section. Yes, the worms can um, spread out from there into the field, but generally that heat that's developed in a muck heap kills off most worms and most um, uh, eggs that are laid into the the droppings. But just putting it onto the side of a paddock is probably not going to be as effective as taking it away somewhere separate um, and uh, like where there's concrete and and the to continue the life cycle of that worm um, is going to be that's going to be broken by so i.e. not having grass and water around for for those larvae to develop into mm. a full-blown worm oh, each the- worm has a different type of life cycle it would be ideal though if we all had places where we could put them but we don't always have cement we don't always have planning permission so we kind of have to do what we can oh just do what we can to get rid of it i know you know as long as you're getting your your, your manure taken away um but there's that period in before where you've got to store it and so i guess it's finding the Mm -hmm. safest place that you can store it without it being able to um be able to spread but you mentioned earlier about the itching which i thought was interesting Mm -hmm. so so they they get itchy and what other signs are there there's obviously the white ones in the in the uh, manure and then can you physically see the eggs around their around their bottom so around their bottom you see it's often an orangey color as i say it's um it used to be called anal rust because it does look like their bottoms have got rusty underneath their duck uh, underneath their dock when you lift their tail up mm-hmm. um, and you just get that appearance and, and usually just 
so the the worm sticks its tail out to lay the eggs and all around in a circle so all around um the, the anus really where it comes out so and that's why we want to be keeping that wiping away in order for the test yeah. um in order to do a test when you do a normal worm egg count you have to collect some droppings mm-hmm. that you and pop it in a pop it in a pot and send it off to um your nearest worm egg count place but um to do a test yeah. for pinworm it's a bit different mm-hmm. isn't it can you describe that process please yeah, so we don't test for it very often because they are quite easily killed. But if you do have a horse that's um, itching, you can um, itching their tail. You can put sellotape strips around their bottom, so just gently putting those on, and then that will pick up any of the eggs that are, are there. And again, that can be sent off and analysed under a microscope if you were concerned about that. In this instance, with pinworms. I would probably recommend if a client came to me that if they saw this um, orangey tinge around the the horse's back end and they were itching their tails a lot or if suddenly their horse had been itching an awful lot and for the last few years they've had clear egg counts or been using amoxidectin or ivermectin-based wormer. I would recommend using a wormer around their back end or washing with hippie scrub or something like that. Um, uh, So the wormer would work like a normal wormer by putting it around at the back end or using the hippie scrub a couple of times a week for for three weeks to break the cycle. Oh, that sounds good. Um, But you can send it off to be tested as well. So yeah, just another type of worm to add to our paranoia anyway, you know. (laughs) Mm-hmm. yeah yeah no that's it as I say apart from the itchiness they don't really affect the, horse, the horse's um condition or they don't cause colic or anything like that because they're right at the end of the digestive tract so the horse has already taken everything out mm. from um from the food anyway that it has to have developed a, a good little niche of an area that they want to live you know the main worries are your red worms um the strong isles and the tapeworms as well from the sort of colic and life-threatening disorders for your horse from worms now that's interesting in itself because uh, we had okay mm-hmm. so i have a young uh, an eight-month-old colt um, he's the one that had the pinworm, um, and he's had an okay. immensely big worm burden. I've really struggled to 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 get his worm worm burden zero. Um, you know, he he went down mm-hmm. dramatically. So he had the pinworm, and then from the end of January throughout February, he suddenly dropped his condition. His fur became quite wiry and fine. Um, his his stomach just started to balloon out. And I was thinking, what on earth is going on? Because, you know, I've wormed correctly when he moved here. Yes, we've had mm-hmm. a spout of pinworm, but we dealt with that. So dealing with that was he had to have another wormer. We stripped the fields. He was isolated, mm-hmm. uh, cleaned his, his bottom like you suggested, got rid of, uh, disinfected all the rugs that might have the eggs on them as well. And anything that he might have rubbed himself onto was disinfected. Mm-hmm. So... As far as I was concerned, we yeah. completed everything to make sure that there was no more pinworm around. Mm-hmm. And by the end of February, he again had a horrific worm burden. And this time it's insisted red okay. worm. And in the, oh, end, okay. the mm-hmm. end of last year, you know, we wormed correctly for insisted red worm mm-hmm. to then find in February, he's really poorly again. Mm-hmm. Okay. The other thing, so we'll, we'll talk about red worm in a minute, but the other thing you have to be careful with with um, young animals, so under a year of age, is the roundworms and parascaris. Now, now they usually develop their normal natural 
immunity to this by the age of two or three but young animals can really be infected and and that could possibly also have been what you saw in the droppings um they're quite a thick white worm as well and they can cause them to look unthrifty and poor hair coat and get that pot belly appearance mm-hmm. as well and we're seeing a lot of resistance to um for those type of worms as well um because in the young animal, we don't really want to use moxidectin so, um, because that um, they don't often have enough fat reserves for the levels to make it a safe wormer to use. So we're using more of the um, older type of uh, wormers, such as the fenbendazole and things like panicure. Mm. Um, ivermectin is... Um, is has been around for a fair while but there's a fair amount of resistance to that as well so again with with your chap that you're talking there you would want to worm and then do fecal egg counts as well to check that we are killing those off and they're not resistant because you might need to use um if he's got such an issue uh with getting these worms and having a high worm burden which he could have picked up from his mother or um, from whether you didn't breed him you brought no, him in yeah, did you brought him in yeah yeah yeah, that's it. So that would have been beforehand. And then we'll need that regular worming. It's a real worry as well if he's had the insisted red worms too, because that can make them really poorly. Um, uh, because, and, and especially this year where we had that warm spell in February, that the, the larvae, because they migrate and bury into the intestinal wall. So then they can all come out and it depends how quickly they come out and Yes, it's from a worm infection from when they were from the autumn before, because that's when they've gone into the intestinal lining and sort of hibernated over winter and then start coming out. And it's the moxidectin that kills those live larval stages. And that's where we have to be careful with using it in a young, uh, a young animal. Well, that's the um, problem, so Gemma, is that I can't, mm, you know, there's mm. only so many wormers I can use on a, on a youngster. Now, yeah. interestingly, it was, you, you know, um, when you said it was in him six months ago. Um, yeah, that's what I heard. Mm-hmm. Is that actually it was the? Ins- I, I think it's insisted red worm. I, I'm actually, I think we caught mm-hmm. it just in time in that. I didn't see any of the red worm in his droppings, yeah. um, but because no, it's that mm-hmm. time of year, I'm presuming yeah, yeah. it's red worm. Um, and so mm-hmm. we did five. Has he had diarrhea as well. Yes, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. It got Has really. Had... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking. Well, the insisted really was from six months ago, and like you said, it's now they come alive mm-hmm. this time of year. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. hoping that we might mm-hmm. have caught it just in time, just from his coat and and looking at his condition mm-hmm. and how his condition dropped so quickly. And what scares me the most is I didn't realise, like you just said, that the worms can go through the gut wall, which ultimately can kill Mm -hmm. them. So to cure it, Mm -hmm. I did a five-day panicure. Yeah, well done. And it's worked perfectly. So he is now worm-free. It's now coming up to Mm -hmm. tapeworm time. So he's having an ember tape. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he's completely clear, Mm -hmm. which is fabulous. Lucky, Mm -hmm. really lucky, actually. Yeah, and it sounds like he will probably be the type that will be prone to worms. So you've got to be strict with your worming programmes throughout. But by doing the faecal egg counts alongside, then you'll be able to learn that as well. And it sounds like your management is good by picking up the droppings and, um, and doing everything 
else that you can do to try and prevent the spread of worms that's it by isolating him from your other horses and that at that time um, and, and trying to get him clear and monitoring him with those fecal egg counts but also he'll probably require some worming yeah so so um what about the people that are great and have had their horses for years and never had a worm issue mm-hmm. um i praise you mm-hmm. because that's amazing <laughs> and um and and you know they they do the worm egg counts and they haven't got any worms and that's great do they still need to worm for insisted red worm once a year and tapeworm or is it because they're clear they don't need to worry about that I think if you've had a horse for several years that you have kept in the same environment and you've done regular faecal egg counts throughout the summer, so you know they haven't, and they've always been zero pretty much, then you're pretty safe to know that your horse has got an innate, its own resistance um, to getting a worm burden. So probably wouldn't need worming at all against those larval stages. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The larval stages are a worry and that's it. And you don't see the problem until the following spring from, from the autumn. So you do need to have known that horse's history for a good couple of years and the environment not have changed to have that confidence to not use the um, wormers for the larval stages, i.e. the moxidectin and or a five-day panicure equine guard, the fembendazole. So, um, but if you've got any horses that have moved to and from your yard or uh, don't know that horse's history that well or how they respond to, to, to worms and being challenged by worms, then it's probably the safest to cover them with um, uh, a treatment for the larval stages in winter so you don't get those issues. But we do need to be careful about how much drugs we use because we are developing the worms are developing more and more resistance. So trying to keep them to a minimum. That's why it is really good to try and um, do these faecal egg counts so you know your horse's history and how it responds to all of these things so that we can then reduce the amount of drugs. 
I often get people ask me, oh, well, actually, it, from a cost point of view, you end up spending more on fecal egg counts and then you still have to worm. But um, it's, a, it's a time game, really. And over time, how you're going to be able to learn and then not use the wormers. Mm. So, for instance, I've had my two mares for um, 10 years plus now and I've done regular fecal egg counts and then I now hardly worm them at all and then I do the, the fecal egg counts um and but I don't do as many now either because I know but we just moved house last year mm. so I don't know what the contamination is on on this ground so this year for the first time I did treat them with um a moxidectin based product so that I was sure that this spring we won't have a problem for with insisted red worms mm. at all Oh, I can't uh, wait to get to that the point, is. Gemma. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah. Get rid of this lot, yeah, and then uh... <laughs> yeah, I hope you will get there. <laughs> oh, I I shouldn't be ashamed, should I? No, no, and it's um and and there's always knock on effects to everything. So um that's it the wormers but oh gosh now we've got um more of an issue with pinworm because they've they've evolved to be able to um everything is always evolving so there's always a knock-on effect for everything that we do and it's being aware of it but the worst thing that you can do that i think when people should feel a bit of shame is when they've ignored things and not done it when you've been actively trying your best and working out and and worming has become a little bit more confusing now we're trying to limit the amount of drugs that we use because we do have to use management regimes um, and it's all on a much more of an individual basis and I would want to just say obviously I am a vet but talk to your vets we do give um, uh, free advice and talking about all of these things so that we can advise you from knowing what your horses are like um, as what will be the best regime for you because it does vary so much on the individual yard and for the individual horse like yours is a young horse so you know it's very difficult to, to get that balance right because of what drugs we have available to us and if you have got a problem with resistance we wanted to try and find that and, and work out what is the best way to, to get around that issue as well. And so many so. things come into play as well you know I've learned that um, we, we had new horses on the field so that's probably and the fact that the foal was a new young foal so he hadn't been wormed mm-hmm. before because he was too young so no doubt he was going to bring something here. I think I was just so shocked that um, the wormer didn't work originally for him. I thought that his first wormer <laughs> would kill everything, and it didn't. And I, I wasn't really, I wasn't really expecting that. So when we did get worms, I was really quite mortified because in my head I thought, well, I've wormed him, so why has he still got it? But you know, I guess sometimes they just need a little bit more but equally you've got to be really careful how much you use because the wormer could kill mm-hmm. him as well so he's got worms that could kill him yeah. and then the wormer could kill him so it's, it's yeah, like having children it. isn't it it's too much yeah <laughs> it is it's finding that happy medium and often um in foals the the larval stages can be transmitted through the milk of the mare so it's those larvae that are resistant from that's built up within the mare as well for then um and then they develop into the, in the fold and are resistant worms to various wormers 
Um, you can, there are wormers that are licensed to use in foals from two weeks of age. Um, but again, you know, when we've got this resistant population in the foal already, it can make life really challenging. And it's trying to find what levels they are and what worm population we're really dealing with. Sounds like you were very unlucky with a very mixed population of, of worms that mm. has affected your poor colts. Mm. Hopefully that won't affect, it's, it's amazing how that could, they can go on. I've dealt with some cases you know, um, of, of, you know, top show jumpers that have had foals and we've tried, you know, us as vets are trying to investigate it. And actually it came down to being a worm burden. That was mm-hmm. the problem as to why foals weren't growing well. And we miss it as vets sometimes because you think, oh, that should have been killed off by that wormer. Yes, it has been wormed, but we do have to deal with this resistance issue of these super worms mm-hmm. that, and the development of new products is tricky as well at the moment. Yeah. So um, the interesting thing as well is, if you're listening and you think, well, you know that this doesn't affect me because I don't have a young horse or I don't have a colt, it actually affected one of the affected one of the older horses too. So he ended up having having pinworm too. So you know we do need to keep an eye on it. We can't just presume that the worm yeah. is going to do everything. You know, and part of that is monitoring the manure when you're clearing the the droppings when you're clearing the field and also looking um, at their urine as well so obviously Mm -hmm. urine doesn't affect the worms doesn't help us tell whether they've got worms Mm -hmm. but what things do we need to look at in the droppings and the urine to make sure that we've got healthy horses so I think always when you're on your day-to-day management basis you want to try and get it in your mind what is normal for your horse so how many droppings do they pass normally overnight um as I say one of my mares would just pass about four droppings very few really um my other will do about 12 and make a right mess of her stable Mm -hmm. but that that is her and that is normal now if my older mare suddenly did that many I think oh my gosh what has happened to her overnight she's probably had an incident of spasmodic colic that's cleared her out or why has she been upset and um, whereas that's completely normal for my young horse and so it's it's learning all of these things so that if you do have a problem that um, you know may take a couple of days two or three days to develop and to be seen you've picked you could pick up on it earlier so again if suddenly I went into my mare stable and she'd only done three or four droppings I would think oh is there a reason why she's not passing the droppings and are we getting an impaction here uh, a blockage them getting constipated and it's much easier to treat that and to sort that out if you act on it there and then when it's they're still passing droppings then a few days later oh no she hasn't passed any droppings in the stable overnight and she's colicking And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to call the vet in, but is there a reason why they're not drinking as much? And so that's why um, they've got a bit dehydrated and so are not passing so many droppings. Again, are the droppings harder than they would usually each horse? You know, we we love um, to talk about them passing a dropping and then um, spreading into pellets when they hit the floor. And, And that's lovely, but you don't want it to be too hard. And it's what's normal for your horse. Um, some horses 
do pass extra fluid, especially older horses as well. And their droppings might not be as firm as a, a younger horse because of their fire and how much the horse is drinking. Again, impactions are more common in um, colder weather. So if the water's really cold, they might not have drunk so much. And if you've got automatic water drinkers, there might be a reason why that's not been working. And so then you can correct that. And then the horse and your liver have not had an issue with that um, impaction and can resolve that issue yourself. Mm. Or was there not water out in the field the day before? And again, that's linked to their to their urine. Again, my younger mare is very messy and likes to wee all over the place, and that's completely normal for her. Um, and her stable is quite messy and wet, and I always sigh whenever I go in in the morning. But um, if she was suddenly a lot cleaner, or if it was really flooded, I would think, well, what's happened here? Often. Um, a, it depends whether your horse is competing at a high level and has been sweating a lot and definitely endurance horses monitoring their urine output and the smell of their urine whether it's more concentrated or not is important as to whether they need some electrolytes or salts really to to encourage them to drink but also in the older horse um it could it could be a sign that they're developing Cushing's disease, um, PPID. So um, just monitoring those things and they can all be put together to form this picture, um, which can really help us as vets to say, well, actually, over the last few days, maybe they haven't been doing as many droppings or maybe their stable has been quite wet or they have suddenly started drinking a lot more but not weeing as much or or drink or weeing a lot but not drinking very much and those combinations because that can all help us to put a picture together mm. so being observant of your your horse's area and obviously whether they mucked up their beds in the um in a way that is abnormal horses are creatures of habit and yes you do have these peculiarities every now and again but they could be an indicator of something um, and of something that might not be an issue there and then, might not be an issue for the next week, but maybe over a year or so, you could think, oh, well, maybe they have been having a little bit of an upset tummy or something overnight and they're stable. Mm. But then also, horses, many horses out in the fields tend to use the same areas to do their droppings. Um, and is there a reason why if that suddenly changed? Now, that could be to do with an electric fence pulsator or something different that has managed to change their, their habits. And that might not be a bad thing and that might not be a thing to need to worry about. But if a horse is fretting or something has changed and that's upset their behaviour, that could have another knock-on effect somewhere else mm. that could be an easy thing that as an owner you could change and evolve and um, and, and not need to have other people involved to help you sort out an issue. Mm. So. I have one horse that's brilliant, He um, Blackjack, uh, for those that listen know Blackjack very well, he um, goes to the toilet mm-hmm. in the same place, there's like two different corners and he's amazing and then the little mm-hmm. one, the little mm-hmm. cult, he just goes everywhere wherever he is, you know, yeah. <laughs> throughout the whole of the whole of yeah. the field. Um, but it's fascinating to see there's seven or eight different horses, um, different breeds, different heights, different sizes and see the difference in their 
their droppings. I never thought I'd have this much of a detailed conversation about droppings before, but it is actually really fascinating because uh, they're generally on very similar food. They all live out 24-7. They're on the same grass. Um, so their droppings mm-hmm. are similar, but not the same. So some are firmer, mm-hmm. much firmer than the others. The little Dartmoor pony is um, very much the same as the colt, actually, quite really firm, round, mm-hmm. quite solid, not too solid, um, and almost yeah. a little bit shiny. Mm-hmm. Whilst the bigger, more cob-like horses tend to be a little bit softer, a little bit more like cow pat. I mean, not that sloppy, yeah. but, you know, okay. yeah. much a bit, bigger. Yeah, a bit more on that side. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, do breeds and have just... things, to, you know, have a part to play in it too? Definitely. There's... Um so like the Dartmoor ponies and the, the those ponies that are actually bred to be up on the moorland and that their bodies have evolved that they do get as much as they possibly can out of the food that is available to them um, and so they do often have a smaller tighter firmer dropping because they've sucked all of that nutrition out from them um, and the the cobs being very generalistic um, are often they're either more laid back or they're really over the top and <laughs> excited about things and stress about things. And both of those things mean that their their digestive tract doesn't work in quite the same way and they often have a slightly uh, wetter dropping. So, yeah, not not particularly loose, but not formed as much as as a little um, a little moorland pony. We have to remember how they're um, what they were bred for and evolved for originally, because it does have a huge knock on effect going off on a bit of a tangent. But like ponies and insulin resistance, you know, moorland ponies, Shetland ponies, Dartmoors, Exmoors, New Forests are it's it's in their breeding that they don't have much food over the winter uh, and so that they they stockpile it in the summer and then they should lose the weight over the winter and that this affects their normal insulin and glucose metabolism and when we bring them into our lives and we want to feed them because it's cold and we want to feed them because it's winter and they need some food and there's no grass out there that actually affects their normal natural rhythm for through the year and we can be developing then this insulin resistance which then leads on to problems like laminitis um, and actually using the winter to get these ponies to lose weight is really important because that's a natural way that they do it and, and the best way. Well, again, I had the guilt. I, I had the guilt this year. <laughs> we do year. want to feed them. Yeah, yeah. Again, I had the guilt this year because I was mm-hmm. brutal over winter. I mean, they because they're all they were all very mm-hmm. chubby. They've got lovely grass. They had lovely grass at the end of last yeah. year, and we feel very lucky. But I looked at them and thought, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, you're going to have to shiver to lose some of that weight. So mm-hmm. you know, they mm-hmm. had less rugs, and oh, they didn't get soaking wet. And um, they had rugs to keep them keep them mm-hmm. dry as long as they're dry and warm. I thought that was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did under rug, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we managed to lose some of the weight quite quickly. So actually, you're going into spring in a much more confident way, feeling less. Mm-hmm. I felt I feel less nervous now than I did in the winter time when I was thinking if they go into spring looking like this, we're going to be in trouble. 
definitely definitely yeah. no and that's it it's it's i've been out to see some ponies this morning and yeah thinking yeah they're carrying far too much weight for going forward to the spring mm-hmm. so we've got to try and up their exercise in some way shape or form and be really cautious about that spring grass coming through mm-hmm. and it's really difficult to predict when that's going to be with the weather that we've been having mm-hmm. over the last few years um and we've had nasty bouts of laminitis and that so oh, no. but we do grow good grass down here in the west country yeah <laughs> you're lucky on one hand it's like a it's like a split sword isn't it really it's Um, Well, Gemma, thank you so much for joining us today. I know that I have talked a lot about my own horses today, but if you have any questions, then you can um, send us a message on Twitter at HorseHour, hashtag HorseHour. And we can ask you as well, can't we, Gemma? What's uh, Penbode's Twitter handle? At Penbode Equine. Perfect. And you're on Instagram as well, penbode underscore equine underscore vets. And then if you have any ideas of what you'd like us to talk about on these veterinary episodes, then uh, drop me a message at Horse Hour on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And don't forget to use hashtag Horse Hour. And um, feel free to share your beautiful pictures of your clean fields and your very healthy horses. And um, yeah, and enjoy Horse Hour. Thank you so much for your time, Gemma. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. As always, you can catch previous episodes of the Horse Hour podcast on our website. Just head to horsehour.co.uk and, of course, from all your usual podcast places, iTunes, Acast, Stitcher, Player FM. And if you really like these Pembode Vets episodes, then you can catch them on their website too. You know, I love to hear what subjects you really want us to talk about. If there's a particular veterinary issue or problem or maybe something you want to learn about, then do drop me a message on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram at HorseHour. Use hashtag HorseHour and I'll do my very best to find the next best expert guest for you. I hope you have a great week with your horse and I'll speak to you soon. 